1: 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Jesus, Word. You are all
0: for today, Master, Savior. I
1: have come to seek you.
0: Man, wake up tonight. It's okay. We're happy. Tonight, we're going to continue and finish the series that we began last week on the trap of Halloween. And we've been uncovering its traps and snares. It has the appearance of just being about fun for kids and plenty of candy. I'm all about candy. Anyone love candy? I love sweets. I love candy. I was telling Miss Nancy, I said, Miss Nancy, it is absolutely disgusting that we had this fall festival with bags and bags and bags of candy and now on Tuesday morning there's not one piece of candy in my office. Disgusting. I should have been going around with a bag myself instead of filling other kids' bags. But you know what? Its roots, the roots of Halloween, are much deeper and darker than just fun and games and candy. Listen to this that I pulled off the internet today. Some of you may have heard this report through K Love today, but I pulled it. It was done by ChristianNet.com and it says Should Christians participate in Halloween? The president of Christian Net, Bill Cooper, stated, It is the responsibility of parents to explain the origins of the traditions to their children. Out of 2,000 Christians surveyed, an overwhelming 66% believed that all Christians should avoid the celebration of Halloween altogether. I was really pleased when I read that. I was like, wow, we're coming up. One polar said, Halloween is evil. It glorifies the devils. Others made reference to the original roots of the holiday. Halloween was a pagan festival and still is. If we participate it, what are we teaching our children? These are quotes that people said. Some felt that all holidays were holy days and should always focus on celebrating holiness. Celebration should always be about honoring Christ and those that behave in a Christ-like fashion. I don't see where Halloween, one person says, falls into that because there is nothing Christian about the devil's day. 22% of those surveyed did not feel that there was anything wrong with the celebrating Halloween. It's okay as long as you explain to your kids where the holiday originally came from. Others felt that even though Halloween was a pagan holiday, the fact is not known anymore. And in our society today, all holidays have become commercial and therefore, there are only still, it's just a great opportunity for us to buy costumes and candy. It's really just like a costume party, others said, for kids. Still others, and again, this is Christian, still others participated in Halloween on a regular basis and did with the understanding that, that it is the parents' responsibility to, to inform the children of the tradition. The parents must explain things to the kids and let the kids decide if they want to participate. My God, I thank God for parents that didn't give me the option for certain things. 12% of Poles were unsure about whether or not Christians should participate in Halloween. I really don't know what the real meaning is, so I just don't know, one said. As long as you are not walking around worshipping the devil, it's fine. Another surveyor talker responded... The kids really like this holiday, and if you take it away from them, especially if they go to a public school, everyone will make fun of them. So differing opinions out there in regards to the subject of Halloween. Our stance here at this church is plain and simply this. If you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for everything. Last week, we looked at two points in regards to Halloween. The first two points we covered last week was this. Number one, Halloween is all about deception. But really, it's more than just Halloween being about deception. It's the founder and the originator of Halloween who is himself the deceiver. Come on now. The devil is the deceiver. That's the realm in which he operates and works. And he's successful at it, so why should he change? Unfortunately, today, we are still falling for the same things and the same tactics. Really, there are three of them. The three tactics that Satan has used on mankind since the very beginning. If you return to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, I will show you these three areas. We look and we think there's a multitude of traps. There's so many deceptions out there. But really, every deception and trap and device of Satan can fall under one of these three headings that we read of in 1 John 2 and verse 15. It reads as this, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That is pretty plain and pretty direct right there. But one thing we've got to understand, when it talks about the world in here, it's not referring to the physical creation. So what is he saying is... It's not okay to love the world. So it doesn't mean we can't love things in the world, such as our husbands and wives and our children and our homes and all. It's okay to love those things. But what he's talking about is the world is in reference to the sphere of evil operating in the world under the dominion of Satan. So when he says we shouldn't love the world, he's talking about the principalities and the powers of evilness that want to rule and reign in our lives. If there's a love of those things, the Bible clearly says that the love of God is not where? In us. Verse 16 says, for all that is in the world... So remember the world, word world means the evil, the demonic presence. So everything really, to paraphrase, that Satan has is as follows, is what the word of God says. And what three things does it list? Number one, the lust of the flesh. Number two, the lust of the eyes. And number three, the pride of life. So it says, for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. These are the three areas that Eve fell in. Back in Genesis chapter 3, that the Bible says that when she saw that the tree was good. What is that? The lust of the eyes. Let's go down the list. What did she believe before she saw the fruit? She believed that she could be as who? God. What is that? The pride of life. That, wow, I can have this. And then the Bible says that when she saw through the lust of the eyes, it appealed to her, what? Her flesh. And she wanted to take a hold of it. You see, these are the three areas in talking about deception that we need to be aware of. These are the three target areas that Satan uses against every man that has ever been born on the face of this earth. All deception, all sin can be put under one of those three areas. How do we know that? Because the Bible says all the world has is these three things. Think about it. Think about sin and think which one it can fall under. We can't be ignorant. Deception is a major weapon that Satan wants to use against us, to destroy us, to annihilate us. Secondly, last week we talked about the history and the origin of Halloween. We talked about we can trace it back to some 300 plus years, even before the birth of Christ. Tracing it back to the Celtics, people who lived, unfortunately, in England. And those areas, and they had a priestly order order called the Druids, which a lot of us have heard, which means the worshippers of the Oaks. So we talked about all that last week, and this week we're going to discover how Halloween worked its way into the church and how it deceptively came about to be known almost today as a holy holiday and a time that we should celebrate in the church. So point number three we're going to talk about tonight is how did it get into the church? How did Halloween get into the church? When Constantine became emperor of rome he made a law declaring christianity to be the official state religion it was made a law and basically in making it a law he said no one has a choice this is what you're going to serve this is what you're going to do and there's no ifs ands, buts about it But you've got to understand Christianity there is not Christianity as we know it today. Because at the time when he made this law, it took place during the time when Roman Catholicism had become a world power both in religious and political areas. So what he confessed or what is confessed as being Christian back then is really Catholicism. So you've got to understand that, okay? So it came into or came into the Catholic church. It wasn't Christianity. Again, you've got to understand that as we know it today and throughout what we see of the Word of God. Constantine was passionate about his newfound faith. He was zealous about his beliefs to the point that he demanded that everyone convert over to this newfound faith. If they didn't, it was plain and simple. You'll face the penalty of death. What a nice guy, huh? Popular guy, I'm sure. But you see, he was the emperor, and therefore what he said was final. If you would notice, even right now, as we look at what labeled itself as Christianity, As I began to look at this, I thought it doesn't take long for me, and I hope the same for you, to see the blaring in your face differences between what they called Christianity compared to the relationship I now have in Christ. I know, yes, that God doesn't want any to perish. And I know that the word of God says God wants all to have everlasting life, but it's not forced upon us. God has never forced it upon us. Why? Because love is a choice. Love is a choice. Yes, God could have forced mankind. How do we know that? He's God. He could have done anything He wanted. God is God and He has no equals. But love demanded freedom of choice. How many times do you today hear, if God was such a loving God, then why does He allow... It's because of love, unfortunately, we see a mess around us today. And let me clarify that point. It's because God gave us freedom of choice, and man's choice hasn't been good. But because He loved us enough that He didn't want to force us to worship Him, to serve Him, but He wanted it to come from a heart. People have got it backwards today. It shows the love of God. Because these religions and these other things... Force it upon people. It was forced upon. And one day, again, we're going to see a religion that's going to be forced upon mankind. As the Antichrist is going to come into power. And he's going to say, you either take the mark or you die. And people are going to be beheaded, the word of God says, if they refuse to take the mark of the beast. Again, we look at these things and we've got to be aware of these things. Thank God I serve a loving God that gave me a choice to serve Him. But these people weren't like that. And what we've got to understand is when these people were given a law and it was told to them, if you don't do it, you're going to die, it wasn't just an empty threat. It had weight and power. Because these people were used to seeing literally thousands of people thrown into an arena and being ripped limb from limb by lions. And you know what? They called it sport. They called it fun. It was celebrations. It was festive as they would go to the arenas and cheer and watch and hope that the emperor with fights and everything would put his thumb down to see blood drawn and people ripped ripped limb for limb. It was vivid to them. So when they heard that they would face that kind of death, you know what happened. They said, we know what we'll have to do. But they said also, we're going to go in it with a plan. The church of that day was flooded with pagans, not converts. The church of that day was flooded with pagans, not converts. Why? Because it was pagans that had a plan to save their lives. They didn't want to die. They wanted to save their lives, but yet still hold on to their beliefs and their values. Have you ever really thought about that when people talk about their values out in the world, their values? It's really kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Because they talk about their values and they don't have anything of value in their values. Have you ever thought about that? They want to hold on. Oh, this is my values and I live. There is nothing valuable about what you're saying. It's empty. It's defeated. It's nothing. But these people wanted to hold on because, again, why? Deception. Deceived into believing what they had was something they couldn't let go of. So they brought their traditions and pagan practices and ideas into the church. Just stop for a moment and think about that thought. Just think about it. In trying to adopt a method to stop paganism, the church now began to promote it. Think about it as we talk about it in a minute. They tried to stop paganism. Everyone needed to convert. Everyone, but instead of stopping something, they promoted it. Who was the joke on? The joke really was on the church of that time. Why? Because the church accepted the customs of the world instead of giving them the truth of God. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, today? That we're still trying to please everyone at the expense of God's word. That instead of standing up for what we believe, the church many times today is just saying to everyone, come on in, come on in. They're now trying to pass laws and you may not be aware of it. They're now trying to pass laws that literally me as a minister and a preacher, if I stand behind a pulpit and say homosexuality is a sin and you are going to hell for it, that I could literally be locked up and imprisoned for saying that from behind a pulpit. This is the life and the world that we are living in today. That they're saying, you can't say that things. You can't say that. Listen, we're going to say that. We're going to say that. Why? Because we're not going to accept paganism and the things of the devil into the church because a watered down gospel is only going to produce watered down results. And you're not here today because it was watered down. You weren't here today because it was a feel good gospel that was preached to you. You're here today because someone loved you enough to tell you you're a sinner and you need a savior. But the church, you see has become so comfortable. My aunt told me of a big church near them in Atlanta. A massive church. It's growing leaps and bounds. But this is my aunt's comment on that church. She said, everyone I know who goes to that church has no conviction. She says, the things they do, the way they talk, the way they live, is no different from the way they did before. The only problem now is they think they're okay because they're in church and they go into church. You see, we've got to watch because man's way will never give release. Religion will never produce release. It's only relationship in a loving Savior. Man does not have the answer. Only Jesus is the answer. Oh, let's try and do this and try and do this. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, just let me handle my business. Come on now. It's not programs. It's not all these things. And hey, I love to have things. But if it's at the expense of the anointing and the power of God, all we're doing is running a social club. And it's not going to change the hearts and lives of people. So here we are. They're trying to erase. They're trying to do away with. But now they're finding themselves infested with it. What are we going to do? The Pope, the priests, they realize, oh no, we have a serious problem here. How can we change what is happening? So realizing they couldn't get the paganism out of the people, they decided to try and sanctify some of them. They decided to try and sanctify some of their traditions and some of their beliefs. What they were really trying to do was take the cultures or the traditions of the world, put a church name on it and try and say now it's Christian. One of the ones that they tried to take was the Festival of Saman, which is the festival of the big demon or Halloween as we know it now. In the ninth century, the Pope declared a new day in honor of all the martyred saints. This being November the 1st. And therefore, October the 31st now took on a new name as the Eve of All Saints Day. Now the church felt it was all right for them to have that festival on the 31st because now on November the 1st, October the 31st, because now on November the 1st, was a holy day. Listen to what the Catholic Encyclopedia, this is straight out of the Catholic Encyclopedia, and it says this, The night of October the 31st, and the vigil of the Feast of All Saints, Halloween derives its name from an old English term, All Hallows' Eve. Although its traditions derive from pagan worship, An important source of the customs of Halloween was the Druid religion of pre-Christian Gaul and Britain. The ancient Britons honored their sun god with bonfires at this time of year in tribute to the light that brought their harvest and to mark the beginning of winter. They also saluted Saman, the Lord of Death, who was held... And gathered together the souls of the years dead which had been consigned to the bodies of animals in punishment for their sins. The goblins, the witches and evil spirits are another Druic custom or contribution. It was believed that on the night of October the 31st, these creatures roamed the earth wild with glee at the return of their season of winter and darkness. They tormented the poor mortals who in turn paid them bribes for food and delicacies to ensure the safety of their homes and persons. Strange noises and outlandish tricks attended their appearance, and often as not one or several humans would join their train, if for no other reason than to self pro- for self-protection. It is easy to see in these beliefs and practices the source of our own Halloween customs. The masked figures, the trick-or-treat, the bonfires, even the jack-o'-lanterns found throughout uh, Central Europe at Halloween, which seem to be a combination of of, of, of a fire. Really, what is said in a nutshell, all of that is, that even the Catholic encyclopedia who tried to make it a holy time, said this, Halloween is 100% occultish. Its origins were not from the church. It says it. It was from the Druid or the Druids. It was from their customs. And even from this or the new kind of order that the church tried to bring, this is where even the name Halloween comes from because as Stefan said earlier, November the 1st is known as Old Hallows Mass. So what they called October the 31st was All Hallows' Eve that ended up being called Halloween, where the name come from. Nothing had changed in their pagan rites and worship. It had just now been almost a cover-up by the church. What can we do? We'll do this, and then we'll still allow them to do that. What the Pope attempted to do in the 9th century backfired. through trying to make it a holy day and a holiday celebration as now is recognized as today but it all backfired because it never changed the origin or the intent of what it's all about call it what you want sandwich it between a week of holy days on each side do whatever you want but the day and intent of Halloween has never changed And it never will. Halloween has no roots in the church, but is firmly rooted in the occult, witchcraft, and Satanism. Doreen Irving, who was a converted... She was actually the ruling witch of Western Europe and the British Isles, and she was also the mistress of the high priest of Satan. She was converted to Christianity... And she said these words. If Christian parents had any idea of what Halloween really is, they wouldn't even mention the word around their children. Let me say that again. If Christian parents had any idea of what Halloween really is, this is a leading authority who was a ruling witch, who was the mistress of the priest of Satan, who was involved in all kinds of sacrifice and worship, Times when they would literally slit the throats of animals and they would drink the blood, and not only animals but even human beings were sacrificed. People, even still today, will sacrifice their children, their own children, to Satan because they believe that's what. And notice again how the enemy's trying to steal and kill and take and destroy. But yet, this lady says, if we as parents even understood or had an idea just slightly of what Halloween really is, we wouldn't even mention the Word. Think about that. Not even the Word around our children. So point number four, what should we as Christians do? Or what should we as parents maybe do? What should we do? Obviously, we shouldn't support or neither participate in Halloween. As we said, and we've said it many times, it's a day that purely and solely glorifies Satan. We've got to be careful that we don't fall into the trap of believing it's not dangerous. Notice as you talk to people around you at work, there is very few people that feel in any way Halloween is dangerous. They don't believe it to be dangerous, but yet they will dress their kids up in costumes that will give their kids literally nightmares, sometimes for weeks. To see some of these costumes that they have now, and I just watched on the news today that they have just released, and I know it's different, but yet it's all the same origin. They just released a game for for these playstations or whatever xboxes today they just released a game today that they said is so realistic that they've already outlawed it and banned it in England because it is so graphic that you literally stab people and it's just a man. I saw a clip of it and it is so lifelike, like you're watching a video and it's so graphic and they were wanting Dr. Phil to talk about it today and what he thought about it and stuff. But I'm telling you, if it's been outlawed in England, England has got some serious problems. If it's been outlawed there then my God, it definitely needs to be outlawed in this nation. But what is happening? We are saying it's okay. It's just a little game. It's okay. It's just a costume. It's okay. It's just a harmless bat or black cat or witch or goblin or ghost or monster. It's just not dangerous. We talked about it last week. There is not one image of Halloween that in any shape or form is attractive and nice. Everything is dark. Everything is demonic. Everything is of the devil. But just because we don't sense or feel it's dangerous and visually seeing it as harmful, we've got to be careful we don't fall into that trap. Because you know what? No matter my opinion of something, No matter whether I feel, well, it's just harmless or it's this or that, the origin and the history tells us it's completely something different. Come on now. It doesn't change, my opinion doesn't change the roots of Halloween. I can try and deceive myself into thinking it's okay all I want. But you know what? It doesn't change. You know, I read this article in regards to Halloween that people can say, well, I don't believe all that stuff well, you know what, just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it didn't happen. They wrote an illustration that, you know what, I wasn't there to see the man walk on the moon. And I can turn around and say, I don't believe he walked on the moon. But just because I don't believe it doesn't mean that he never did. And we've got to realize that. Well, I just don't believe that. And I don't feel that. And, and it doesn't bother me. And it doesn't, you know what, it's not about your beliefs. It's about what the truth is. It's about what really is reality. We've got so good at turning a blind eye. We don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to hurt anyone. We don't want to step on people's feet. You know what? I don't like to offend people. But you know what Jesus said? Even in the fact of the symbol of Christianity is an offense to people. Why? Because the cross is not a beautiful symbol. Back when the cross was used, people would walk down streets and hearing moaning and groaning that every side of the street, they would crucify people around these major cities in intersections, reminding people, if you'd stand in defiance upon us, that's what's happening. Now we drive down the streets and we still see billboards and we see trees. Back then, it was literally lines and lines of crosses with people hanging, groaning and and, and just dying, literally, that people, and when Jesus came up and started talking, Talking about take up your cross and follow me. Come on. All they recognized and realized was the pain and the suffering and the anguish. The symbol or the very symbol even of Christianity. It's not something that's nice. And it's not something that feels good. And so therefore, what are you saying? It's going to be offensive to people. But you know what? Thank God that it's not. What? It's not empty and has nothing. But yet, there's power in it. There's deliverance in it. We've got to educate the next generation. We've got to instill within our children the importance of making a stand. I began to think about this when I wrote down that thought. I'm glad I'm not a kid anymore. Why? It's hard for our kids. It is hard for our kids At our fall festival, Lizzie asked a kid a question. Who died on the cross for you? A little kid. And the little kid's answer was Tupac. Tupac. The rapper Tupac, a kid thought, died on the cross for him. It's not a joke. Come on now, it's not a joke. It's not a joke that kids think. Another kid was asked, where does Jesus live? And that child said, in hell. It's not a joke. It's hard to be a kid today. The struggles and the pressures. You know what? I would, I'm would. i just going to be honest since none of the young people in here. I'm glad I'm not at school anymore. I'm glad I'm not facing these pressures. I'm glad that now the struggles and the things that's going on around our children. What have we got to do as parents? We've got to make a stand for what we believe. I'm so proud of Hannah in the fact that Hannah went and stayed with a young girl who's on my soccer team. She was in church with us on Sunday. I'm so proud of Hannah that when she went to her house on Friday night, the little girl wanted to watch Harry Potter. And Hannah turned around and says, No, I don't watch things like that. My dad doesn't allow me, and neither do I want to see things like that. So when I asked Hannah what they did, she said, Well, we didn't do too much. We just watched a little bit of this, but we had to turn the TV off because I told her I didn't want to watch Harry Potter. You know what I told Hannah that night? I said, Hannah, I'm so proud of you. So proud of you for making a stand. So proud of you for standing up for what you believe. Come on, parents, we've got to educate our kids. They've got to see it. The best example our kids can see is in the lives that we live. Because you know what? A lot of kids will begin to think. I was talking to someone on the phone today about something that they were doing in their life that was wrong. And you know, to get the point across to them, I said, what would your parents think? Or well, they wouldn't be very happy. We've got to be parents that our kids can bounce thoughts off of and said, what would my parents, what would they have done in a situation as this? What would they have done? And you know what? Maybe some of you as parents have failed and not brought your children up how you should have. But you know what? It's not too late to say to them, I was wrong in what I believed, And now I know what I believe. And this is how you need to live your life. That's not being a hypocrite. That's just realizing that you now know the truth. Share it with your kids. Tell them how you were wrong. Tell them these things. You know what? It's not enough to tell kids anymore today. Just don't do it. We need to tell them why. Just don't smoke. Why? Well, just don't do it because it's against God's word. We need to educate our kids. Yes, it's against God's word because the word of God says, don't defile the temple of God and your body's the temple of God. But we need to also let them know the health issues and all these other issues and things instead of just saying, well, just do as I say. We've got to teach our kids. Why? Because you know what? I can't be with my kids 24-7. But you know what? The Word of God can be hidden in their hearts. Come on. Thy Word have I hid in my heart. For what purpose? That I won't sin against you. We've got to give our kids the Word. We've got to give them truth. As I said earlier, don't feed your kids opinions. Why? Because opinions come and go. Feed them the Word of God. It's not old-fashioned. It's still as real today as it ever has been. Give them loaded ammunition to fire back with. Give them something to fire back with. I know I've told this story a few times, this illustration, but it's really good to go with this about a lady and she was watching her mom and she said, she watched her mom take the ham and cut both ends off the ham and put it in a pot. And she said, mom, why do you do that? She says, I don't know. She says, my mom always did that. Your grandma always did that. So one day she was visiting grandma and she said, grandma, by the way, I was watching my mum cook a ham the other day and she cut both ends off and she said she did it because she saw you do it. Why did you do it? She says, I don't know why I did it. I do it because your great-grandmother did it. Her great-grandmother happened to be alive. And one day she was visiting her and she said, Great-grandma, listen, I talked to grandma and I talked to mum and I noticed that they cut both ends off the ham before they put it in a pot. And I asked them why they did that. And they told me they did it because they saw you do it. Why did you do it? And she said, because I didn't have a pot big enough. But what has happened? It's been carried down through generations without even knowing the origin and the reason. We've got to watch that we're not giving our kids vain traditions, vain, empty things, that we're concentrating on the minors instead of majoring on the majors. We need to give our kids. That's why I'm so glad here that even in our nurseries, I was talking to a guy today. He's got a 13-month-old baby. And he says, I want my baby to be brought up in church. I said, bring it to our nursery. I said, because even at that age, we teach them about God. I'm so glad that even in our nurseries from the youngest age, we educate our kids. We tell them about God. And then they go into our... Children's ministry where Rich and Sherry uh, and one of the things that they've been doing is putting the kids on the spot and just asking them questions and seeing how they respond. And it's in your face questions, and we're getting ready to have a mailbox in the church, in the kids' area, where the kids can write down questions anonymously, or maybe put their name, just questions and things that's facing them, so they can start addressing them and they can open the mailbox and they can tell them from the word of God and then through our youth and, and every aspect. I thank God for for a church that still believes in the word of God and teaches it to our kids. Because you know what, parents, we don't get the questions like our kids face every day. I think we'd be shocked if we understood or we heard or really knew just a fraction of the questions and the struggles that our kids face every day at school. I was molested last night. What do I do? It's facing our kids every day. These kids are hurt and They're crying out. They're coming because they feel comfortable maybe talking. These are issues that are facing our kids every day. Oh, just try this. I hear it's good and I hear it will make you concentrate more. Just the drugs and the lies and just the everything. That's why we've got to give them loaded ammunition. As parents, we need to shield and protect our children. Halloween does not cause our children to be at peace. What we may find to be funny and maybe nothing to us can cause terror and nightmares for our young children. Tonight is a night that they say where the powers are going to be out in full force. But I'm here to proclaim: greater is He that is within us than He that is in the world. So, what's wrong with Halloween? Everything. It's demon-inspired, devil-glorifying, and it's an occultic festival. End of story, period. But let me end with this. John 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but let me end with this. But God says, I have come, that you may have life, and life more abundantly. That's what I want That's what I want for my kids. And that's what I want for your family and your kids. The life and the light of God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight that you're awesome. We thank you, God, that you are so wonderful and great. And God, right now, we just come against every power of darkness right now. Every power of darkness, God, that would try to rule and reign tonight that would try and inflict fear and terror. But God, we thank you that love casteth out all fear. Lord, we thank you that love, the love of God, is greater and stronger and mightier than anything that Satan can possibly throw at us and our kids. God we plead the blood line right now around our kids our grandkids God around our families. God we plead the blood of protection right now we claim your word that it shall not come nigh our dwelling place but only with our eyes will we see at a distance. why? Because God you're going to protect us. God I thank you that you said we're a chosen generation we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, we're a peculiar people God I thank you that that peculiar that means there, God, that you've set your hedge of protection all around us. And God, we claim that right now for our minds, for our bodies, for our spirits, for every area right now. Set us free and be that freedom and release in our lives. We love you tonight. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Don't be deceived things will try and filter their way in and many of the churches have tried to label it Christian. It's not Christian. If it's not in the Word of God, it's not of God. And if it's not in the Word, it's no good for you. Come on now. Throw it away. Get rid of it. I love you all. See you Sunday morning.